and the world was made through him. Listen to this. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. And the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. This is the part. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Father's Day. <laughs> like, that's the most amazing picture that I've ever seen of Father's Day. He came, the, the creator of this universe, the creator of the world, the one who designed it, the one who spoke it into existence. He came into the world. His own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them, you guys, the creator gave us, those who received him, the right to become children of God. That hit me. Not the right to become scholars. Not the right to be the right to become children. I don't know if you can. I, I, I was so drenched in love when I read that again. I read that so differently than I've read it so many times. I've read the light part. And yes, we, we could look at that and go, we could be the Johns. And we're supposed to be the Johns of this world. The light. To, to speak of the light. Even though we're not the light. But how about the right to become children? The right to become innocent again. The right to become free again. The right to be able to just dance before the Lord like a little child without any hindrances, without any cares of the world, without any strain of sin and shame and guilt. You have the right to become children. That hit so hit me. And I would say, thank you, Father. Happy Father's Day. Amen? All right, we can go home. <laughs> you were clapping too good for that there, Becca. <laughs> wow, that was just a quick kush. Need to work on that transition a little bit. Transitions are highly important, especially to the modern charismatic church. Like, churches actually practice that. I think we might need to a little bit. That was a little rough transition, just saying. I like that feel-goody music-y, right? Man, it's like getting ready for a bomb to drop. I don't know. <laughs> Happy Father's Day. Those of you who are fathers, uh, when you make sure you go out that back door, because you're going to be greeted um, by someone very beautiful, and they're going to um, give you, a, I think, a very beautiful gift. How many men um, like meat? Right? All right, you're speaking, I'm speaking your language, so make sure you go out that door. I thought it was super cool. Last week, um, Pastor Jay was here, and uh, I was so, I so enjoyed just being able to sit in that seat like I did three years ago, four years ago, and just get fed and not worry about a thing. That was so nice, especially coming off of a vacation. Oh, man, that was so nice. I got to feel like it, like it is to be like you guys. That was, I was like, whoo, I can get used to this. Like, that was nice, and it was so cool. <laughs> it was so cool how that message really fit so well. Like the previous week, right, I'm teaching on the, the spirit of truth and the paracletus, the one who comes alongside of us. And 
how he was preaking on, on divine appointments, divine power, the, the divine, the power of the divine, that we would align with that and be sensitive to that. And, and it's just going to keep falling into place. Um, so I thought it was just, it was such a cool um, divine time. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, um, we're going to be in, in John chapter 16. And I'm going to recap just all the verses so it's all in context. And then we'll get into um, our main text. And I'm going to actually start a little bit before. So in chapter 15, verse 26 said, but when the helper comes, that's the paraclete, the advocate, the comforter, the intercessor, the counselor, when he comes, whom I shall send, here's our Trinity scriptures, right? I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father. He will testify of me. He, the Spirit of truth. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Now these things I've spoken to you that you should not be, you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogue. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. Now that had happened, and, and it's, it's here now this time. Maybe not so much on this soil, but it is happening around the world. And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things I've told you that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. But now... I go away to him who sent me. And none of you asked, where are you going? But because I've said these things, you have so sorrow has filled your hearts. Start paying attention now. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Here's our passage today. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. Or the paraclete, the advocate. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin. Because they do not believe in me of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Now I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, now this will be next week, when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will not take what, of, what, what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. I love this passage of scripture, especially for Holy Spirit. It is he, 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 the person. He is a real, live person. He's not a force. He's not the, the force in Star Wars. He's not this, like we, the King James uses the word ghost, which, and they're like really holy people will only say the Holy Ghost. Like they're hardcore on that. The word is spirit, pneuma. It's like breath. And, and it's not like, He's a person. A ghost isn't a person. Now, we, we, can, we don't get it because our dimensions hold us to, like, this tangible, I can see it, touch it, feel it. But the supernatural is way more real than this. You, you need to get that. Like, you, like, this is temporary. This is, it's real. But the supernatural, like, the Holy Spirit, God, you don't see, but he is way more real than this. It, 
he, he is outside these dimensions that we're limited to to grasp him and touch him and, and see him. Now, Jesus, when he took on the body, they got to do that. And, and it was blowing their mind that Jesus was like, it's better for you that I go. They're like, what? The tangible, like, he's like, yeah, I got to go so that the spirit can come, the comforter, the paraclete, because he's going to be naturally really with you as Jesus was, but with each one of you. Like, that is such good news. So we went over that last week. If you didn't get that, go back and hear that. Um, I, 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 was, I was encouraged by it, that we have that paracletos, the, the, the one that comes and gives us our first aid and the one that, that gives us aid throughout the middle of our life, and he gives us that final aid. He's always there with us, amen? Building us up, strengthening us, fighting for us, going to battle for us. He can't, you can't shake him when you're walking with him. He is, he is stuck to you like Chuck. He's on your side. I love him. So... We saw that in the first sections of Scripture, kind of laying that foundation. And then this week, um, we're going to look at the role of the Spirit of Truth. And th this is what we see in this passage. You see two main roles. You see a role of the Spirit of Truth to those who are in darkness. And that's verses uh, 8 through 11. And then you see the role of the Spirit of Truth through verses 12 on to us, to those who are the believers. And and. I got to tell you, like, I'm not just blowing smoke. Like, that section this next week is, is going to really supernaturally encourage you and build you up. And I hopefully have a, even more of an understanding and an and a, uh, honor and a trust and a going towards the spirit of truth that walks alongside of you. Like, how many of you from two weeks ago, after we went over that message, begin to sense a little bit more that he's there with you along your side? Yeah, I did too. Like, like I was like, like hey, dude. <laughs> like, how you doing? Like, I mean, he's there. Like, that's, that's, the, that's what we should be understanding and feeling. And that's what Jesus really wanted us to get was that, look, it was, always, it was always God's heart, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, in agreement to be with us. Like, you see from creation, like the one that created made it possible that we would be sons and daughters of God. And then they, in agreement, came down and took on flesh so that we could get the righteousness that we're going to talk about that only Jesus could provide by fulfilling the law. Isn't it cool? Like, in the first covenant, they had a love for the law. In this covenant, we have a law of love. You get that? There was a love of the law. We have, Jesus like, check this out. They said, what's the greatest commandments? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor yourself. So now, we have a law of love. How, what would you rather have? A love for the law or a law of love? We have a law of love. Like, you could sum it all up. Love. Church, what should we be really good at? How should you be known? For your theology degrees? And your ability to argue someone into the ground? No, that's not what Jesus said. All the law, all the prophets, everything that was done before sums up in this. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you do that, people will know you. He told the disciples, they'll know you for the love you have for one another. Amen? So none of that's changed. But this section of the, the spirit of truth, the role of the spirit of truth to those who are in darkness may not appear to be too loving. But it totally is. Like, we need the spirit of truth to come, and, and especially when we're in darkness, and get our attention and go, hey, you're messing up. Hey, you... Do you know Jesus and, and I love you so much that we have provided a way so that you can escape from that pit? Don't you think that's loving? 
Don't you think it's loving that someone comes along, sees your struggle, sees that you're in a mess, sees that there's no way to the Father but through Jesus, and they let you know that? That's loving. How many of you were great? How many? Just spend a few seconds. Go back before Jesus. Maybe remember that, that transition, that account. There was probably some truth that was spoken into you. And it might not even been a pastor or a message. The spirit of truth himself. Like when I got saved, I was in jail. I didn't hear a message. I didn't hear someone preach this amazing passage. The spirit of truth showed up and he spoke some very hard truth in my life. And it drew me to begin to meditate on that truth. And he began to woo me. Aren't you glad? Because in that transition, he, he shined a flashlight in my life. And I was able to see that what we're going to look at, I'm not righteous. I am not going to be able to go to the Father. I stand judged. I stand lacking. And oh, the good news that Jesus came and came alongside of me. And he said, you don't have to go there. You don't have to. Like, I am more than enough for you. I will be your righteousness. I will take that sin and cast it as far as the east is from the west. I will be your judgment. I will take the judgment of the cross that that, that penalty deserves for you. And you can go free. Oh, aren't you glad? So that is a beautiful encounter and experience. And the spirit of truth, he, the spirit of truth, does that. And that's his role to those in darkness, which we're going to look at. So verse 8, what does it say? And when he has come, he will convict who? The world. Now I want you to, if you have your Bible, put, and when he has come, put, he will convict. Circle that. He will convict who? The world of sin. Now you've heard me say this, and I, and I believe this, like, it is not my job to convict you. It's not even my job to convict the world. I'm going to use, well, I was going to say, I, I'll say I stink at it, so no one's offended. I stink at it. How many, how many feel like very, you feel really good when people, especially Christian people, come and, and they feel it's their job to be the agent of God to convict you? We don't do a good job of convict. We condemn really well, and we judge really well. And we shame really well. But the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, does an amazing job of conviction. Now that doesn't mean that if we are being the light that Jesus told us to be, and we are being influenced and drawn by the Holy Spirit, that he will use us to speak truth. But we're to speak truth in what? And if the truth that we speak in love convicts, that's the Holy Spirit doing that. Are you hearing me? There's a difference. That doesn't mean we don't speak the truth in love because Jesus' words, which we're going to see, will convict. Thank God. This word will convict, but it's not my job. It's not my job to convict. I, I feel so free from that. I don't, like, if you feel convicted, then be mad at the Holy Spirit. Get mad at the Holy Spirit because I can get mad at him too. I read the Bible still, and there's things I feel like he goes crack. And I'm like, I want to throw fit. What ain't fair? But he knows the truth. 
He knows me inside and out. He knows the, the attitude. And he's like, name that fruit. Flesh. Carnality. It needs to die. Now, he will convict us, and con his conviction will draw us to him. We will go, oh, God, you're so right. I so need you. When we do it, we push, we cause all kinds of problems. So we don't need to do that. We need to speak the truth in love. And if there's ever a day we need to do that, it is today. But your role is to not to convict people. Your role is to love people. Now, if you love them enough, you'll tell them the truth, but you'll do that in love. And that won't be your lead. Like you don't, I, I don't know how profitable it is, and I'm not against street preachers because there's some really good ones, but the ones that are just holding signs up, you're going to hell. Like, that's your message. Your message sucks. Like, there's a lot more to that message. There's a God who loved you that created this universe that wants to call you son or daughter. Like, the truth is, yeah, if you reject that, if you turn from that and you totally go, leave me alone, I don't want that. Yeah, that's where you're going to end, but that's not the message. The message is good news. That's bad news. That's bad news. Now, I also know there can't be any good news if there's not bad news. The law shows us that we're sinful, but it doesn't keep us there. We have this law of love that is Christ who goes like, I'm taking you from there. Amen? Like, that is the message. Has nothing to do with my, well, I guess it does, but it's not in my notes. Praise the Lord. So he, the spirit of truth, he will convict the world of sin. Let's look at the word convict. You can, I put in my Bible right next to that word, a little arrow, wrote convince. It's the same. Convict, convince. The Holy Spirit is not just like, convict sounds, and it is. It's a word of conviction. We need to feel convicted. But it's also, the word means convinced. He will convince you. How many of you were convinced when you met the Holy Spirit, when you can't even just come into his presence at times, just because he's holy, you come into his, you're convinced, I'm not. You're convinced, I need to clean some things up without, without anyone saying a word. Amen? How many feel that? You know that. He convinces us. He, the spirit of truth. And let me tell you, when the spirit of truth does it, there's no arguing it. You know the truth. Amen? So, his role is to convict and convince. It, it exposes the facts. Amen? Conviction, convincing, that role, he exposes the facts. He, you can't hide those things. You can't, he brings them into light. Amen? He will refute or cross-examine. We will bring, do we not, like... I don't know if you, maybe I'm the only one that does this, but sometimes the Holy, Holy Spirit will convict me or try to convince me. And I will refute that. I will bring an argument. I will go, well, yeah, but. Oh, no, he will go, oh, but. Here's the truth. And you're like, you're right. Or you go, no, now you're in sin. Now you're in sin. It, sin's very simple. You disagree with him. You doubt him. You tell him, you're wrong. That's not the truth. That's sin. So 
that's what he does. He will expose, he will, when we argue against him and we go, yeah, but, but, he goes, no, yeah, but. And like, how many know like his ability to like, he can shine a light on something and it's not his heart to like make you into a puddle of like a mess and be like, you're such a jerk. But if you argue with him, he will open up that lens a little bit more. Okay, here's some more light. And then you go, oh, my bad. You're right. Don't we? Or we should. When that bigger truth comes out, we go, oh, yes, I, I need to repent. So that's his role, to convict. All right, so we got that part. Then he goes on, he says, he will come, he will convict who? The world of what? Of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So let's look at of sin. Sin is unbelief. Unbelief is the source from which all sin originates. I want you to think about that. All sin originates, starts off in unbelief. You go back to the garden. Satan said to Eve, did God really say? Did God really say? And it gets you to begin to doubt. Gets you, all sin starts there. All sin starts with doubt or beginning to believe a lie. Every one of it. It starts there. So sin is that unbelief is the source from which all sin originates by rejecting Christ. When we reject Christ, when anyone does this, we sever himself and we sever ourselves from all that God is and we sever ourselves from all of God's benefits for us. Man, that's how we need to look at sin. When we sin, it separates us. When, we, when there's an area in our life that he wants to bless and we, be, and we sin in this area, it separates us. He, it's, I can't bless that. God, I can't bless that. I can't bless you in this area of your life. Are you getting that? He is a good father, and, and, but he will not bless that. He will not bless sin. A good father will not do that. That unbelief, those areas where we're wrestling against him, telling him, you're wrong. He's not going to bless that. And I'm going to look a little bit later. Man, I'm going to just run through it now because we, we might not get much more. Let's just look at sin. Romans, Romans 1.20 through 22. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. Isn't this cool? His vis invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. What's he saying? From, he says, from since the creation of the world, the invisible attributes are seen. How? How do we see the invisible attributes of God? By what we can see. By creation itself. He says, by this things, all things were made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Who's they? That's us. The world is without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Well, I tell you, if we're not on repeat there, this is the most educated time of the world the most educated people, the most educated and the most foolish I've ever seen. Like, this is the most ridiculous, I mean, ridiculous. We, we can't answer the question. I, I saw a film, went to the highest of educated people teaching our kids, 
went to the doctors, went to ask this simple question, what is a woman? There's no, cannot answer that question. The most, what is a woman? Will not, cannot answer the question. And we're educated. This is that verse. <laughs> this is that. Became futile in their thoughts, and foolish, their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. And just in case you're wondering, a woman is a human female adult. Not that hard. Human, female, adult. It's a woman. That question could not be answered, would not be answered. We're in trouble. <laughs> this, this is exactly what Paul spoke in that day, and this is where we're at. So, so sin, what is sin? We use this a lot, and it's very true. It was a term in archery when you're aiming at a bullseye and you miss the mark, right? Sin, you sin. Now, that means to wander from the path of uprightness and the honor planned for man, a misdirection of our faculties. Does that happen? Now, listen, to miss the mark does not mean God set the mark too high. To miss the mark doesn't mean God set the mark too high. It means we set our sights too low. You ever heard someone called a low life? That's what it makes me think of. I'm a low life when I don't set my sight to his standard. He sets the sight. He sets the bar. He sets the mark. And we aim at that. And if I'm going like, your aim's too high, that ain't right, then you're a low life. You want to live the low life. Does that make sense? Like, that's true. Like, here's the, here's the mark. This is what God says. This is where I want for you. This is my standard. This is what I have for you. This is the path of blessing. And we go, I don't like that path. I want to live here. We should have that. It should be a little joke amongst us. You low life. <laughs> no, don't do that. I'm just saying. Like, that's how I talk to myself. When I do that, I could be like, dude, you're, you're living the low life. You're thinking the low life. You're thinking the carnal thoughts. You're thinking, you're not thinking his, high, his, his, his plan. Amen. And it's sad to me, the church, a lot of times, we don't honor that. We want to live the low life, even in the church. Another word, what does sin mean? Trespass, to fall beside or deviate from the path. The path of what? The path of life. You fall along the path or deviate from that path. That's to trespass, to stumble. There's more to it, but I'm just going to, I got, I don't have time to transgress. That's a little different than trespass. To transgress means you step to the side. You didn't just kind of like, oh, I was like not paying attention and kind of deviated from the path. This is like, yeah, that's the path. And, and don't act like, we do that a lot. We do that a lot. The Holy Spirit's like, this is what I want you to do. And we go, I don't like that plan. What are they going to think of me? What if I say the wrong thing? What if the word you want me to speak is, sounds cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs to them? You're purposely stepping off the path. That's sin. This is so exciting. I feel you're so encouraged right now. Lawless. Refuse to conform to divine law revealed. 
to increase our understanding of the right way. The law is to refuse to conform. That's the same. A lot of us go like, yeah, I'm not in those areas. It's okay. But this is what I'm telling you. This is what the, the spirit of truth's job is, to bring the light to those in darkness, to expose us, to go, hey, you're stepping off the path. Hey, this is what I have for you. Is that making sense? To disobey or be disobedient is sin. Disbelieve or refuse belief. Willfully or perversely. To do wrong means to be unjust or unrighteous. To refuse to do what is right. To refuse to do what is right. To be ungodly is to act impiously without reverential awe toward God. That one's pretty... We should have an awe. We should have a, a reverence for our Father. There should be an awe for God. Like, when He talks to us, like, we can get so familiar listening to the Holy Spirit, especially as charismatics, because we, we believe He's speaking to us. Like, He speaks to me through the Word. He'll speak to me in my spirit. Like, I need to have a reverential awe when He speaks to me that this is the creator of the universe, God, speaking to me. The Spirit Himself. Speaking to me. Be evil is sin. To be evil. What's that? Be wicked or depraved in mind and heart. This is what the role of the Holy Spirit does to those in darkness. In John 12, 48-49, Jesus said this, watch. He who rejects me and does not receive, what? My words. Has that which judges him. The world that I have spoken, or the word that I have spoken, will judge him in the last day. Did you see that? How high of a value should we have for this word? This word, the words that he's spoken, the word of God, is what will judge us in that last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command what I should say and what I should speak. And the Spirit of truth comes alongside as our paraclete, and he will do exactly that. He, will, he doesn't speak on his own. He only speaks, and every time he speaks, he's pointing to Christ. He's always pointing us to, to the standard, looking at Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Amen? Thank God for that. He's the one that walks alongside of us. The next thing that he will convict, he convicts the world of sin and of righteousness. This is a very, uh, for a lot of people, this is a tricky passage of scripture. Like, what? I don't get it. Like, so, so let me just explain it. Of righteousness, why? Jesus is the standard of righteousness. Wouldn't you say that's the standard? What's righteousness look like? Christ. Jesus is the standard of righteousness to the sinner. And it shows them, and it showed us when we were that we were waited wanting, when, when the Holy Spirit showed you the standard of righteousness, Christ, it shows us, I am not that. I am wanting, I am lacking, I am a sinful man. Right? When, when Isaiah got a picture of God, when he saw the throne and the, and the train filled the temple, he's like, woe is me, a man of unclean lips. He was like, whoa, I am not righteous. shows us that we're wanting that the Holy Spirit reveals Christ's righteousness aren't you glad and 
Jesus' resurrection and departure to the Father shows the acceptance by the Father. So the Holy Spirit shows that that righteousness and that righteousness that we can have imparted to us is the way to the Father. We saw that through, so he convicts the world of righteousness. He says, you're not righteous enough. You're not righteous enough. You're not righteous enough to go to be with the Father. So thank God the Holy Spirit shows us that, that we go, I need you. And then we put on Christ, and guess what? We are righteous. And we can go to the Father just like Jesus did. And guess what, guys? One of these days soon, we're going. Because of the righteousness that's been applied to us. Aren't you glad the Holy Spirit will convict and convicted you when you were in the dark of righteousness? And the last part of this is of judgment. He convicts of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And I don't, I don't have the time, but the Spirit shows us that Satan is defeated. The Spirit shows us that darkness is defeated. The Spirit shows us that the demonic world, the demonic entities, the prince and the powers of this earth and age right now are, are defeated. He shows us that his day's coming. He's on a short leash. He shows us that. And that judgment also shows us that if we're not following God, there's, there's two sides. There's two teams. If you're not on this team, then you are judged. And your judgment is the same judgment that is coming for Satan. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, convicts the world of righteousness, convicts the world of Satan's judgment, and if we're following him, of that judgment. Aren't you glad? Now next week, it's going to be la-di-da-di-da, rainbows and butterflies and the Holy Spirit's work in us as believers. Woo! But this is also his work. The spirit of truth. The world is convicted and convinced of their sin. And sure, the judgment, because their ruler Satan stands judged. 1 John 3, 7 and 8 says this. Little children, I love John. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous. Just as, circle, he is righteous. If we practice righteousness, if we went and said, thank you for your righteousness. I was definitely, I felt so short of your righteousness. Thank you for your righteousness. And we begin to walk with Jesus practicing righteousness. That doesn't mean you're perfect, but it means you're practicing righteousness. You are just as he is righteous. Oh, that's a good news. The rest of this says, And he who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning for his purpose. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Oh, I like that. He might destroy the works of the devil. What does that mean? That he might destroy sickness, disease, death, lust, sin, addictions, pornography, drug addiction, all of the issues that are going on up here, anxiety, depression, fear, all of those things would be destroyed. Yay, that's good news. Now, verse 8 of, of 1 John 3, P 
people get this twisted. I want you in your Bibles, in, in this passage, 1 John 3, 7 and 8, circle, he who practices. He who practices. In verse 7. Go back to verse 7. There you go. He who practices. Righteousness is righteous. Now, for sake of time, I'm not going to go further on in 1 John. You can also add the he who practices the sins. It says he who sins is of the devil. The meaning what he's going on, and, and he's already set the standard of he who practices. It's not someone that just sins. It's he who practices sin is of the devil. And John uses that very language later on in the fifth chapter of 1 John. He who continues, continues in sin, who practices sin. It's not just a sin. If, it, if it's he who practices righteousness is righteous, it's also he who practices sin is of the devil. You with me? He's not talking about, listen to me, listen to me, church. So many people get jacked up on this. He's not talking about people whose victory is not complete yet. How many of you, in some areas, you feel like, man, I got the victory? That thing I was struggling with, we went down fighting. Some of it was just Jesus did the Jesus stuff. It was poof. Thank God, I love it. I'm like, Jesus, do the Jesus stuff. Do the stuff. I don't know how to explain it. I was blind, now I see. But there's some areas that I'm wrestling with. And I'm like, Jesus, do the stuff. And he's like, my grace is sufficient. You need to take on this tools. You need to pick up the, the armor of God. You need to take this word of God and start applying it to your life. You need to get in that fight and put on the armor. You need to know who you are in me. You have power to overcome that. I just want him to do the stuff all the time. That's easy. He's like, no, you got some work to do. You need to, that's what this is. So look, he's not saying if you are in that spot of like, I'm wrestling this out. I don't want to sin. I hate sin. I don't like this about me. And I'm overcoming this. Jesus, yeah, I messed up. But thank you for calling me righteous and making me righteous. That's not who I am. The very fact that I'm convicted over that sin shows me that I'm right where I need to be with you. That's not who I am. I'm, I'm a son. I'm a daughter who can sin, but it's not my practice. It's not who I am anymore. Now, if that's your practice, you got problems. Now, there's a good solution for that. His name is Jesus. And you're going to have to let his standard come on your life, and you're going to have to agree with that he's right. And you're going to have to let go of that stuff and cast it, to cast your cares on him. Amen? But if you're just in the fight, he's, this isn't what John's talking about. He, he's, you're in the fight. He's talking about people who make a practice of sinning, and they look for ways to justify their sin. No one here would ever do that. The whole, how many, I mean, we are so, I'm so glad when he comes back or I die, whatever that, whatever, but to be free from that, oh, that's heaven. To be free from that argument with him at times of this, no bueno. But, da, 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 stop it. Die already.
When you're looking for a ways, you're like, yeah, I, I know this is what you're saying, but forget that. I don't want to listen to that. And you're figuring out ways. I'm looking in the Bible to find ways. I'm going to find some, sign of, some kind of verse somehow that I justify my sin. Problem. True believers do not carelessly, purposely, hear my words, carelessly, purposely continue to sin. True believers don't do that. Not, I didn't say true believers won't sin. True believers won't carelessly, purposely continue to sin. Are you with me? Is that, is that a true statement? That doesn't mean you can't be going like, oh my gosh, and all of a sudden something's just hit, you're like, no, oh, and you lose it. You're like, oh, snap. Lord, I'm so sorry. That's what a true believer looks like. But you can't be a true believer when he's like, hey, that wasn't all right. And you're like, forget you. I'm going to do what I want anyways. I'm tired of hearing your voice. Shut up. Leave me alone. I'm going to do it anyways. Kicking rocks. Then that little kid, that attitude. True believers don't carelessly, purposely continue to sin or have a seared conscience. Hear me. Or have a seared conscience towards sin. If like the Holy Spirit can't even get through that hard heart, can't even get through that seared conscience, can't even get through, and people that love you are coming alongside of you going, brother, this is not okay. Sister, this is causing some depravity. This is causing issues. And your conscience and your heart is so hard that it can't come through. you got some problems. You need the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth, to come and regenerate that. I'm going to leave this last part right here. Man, I wish I could, could have got into the good stuff. There, I'm just going to leave this right here. And this, this, I'm condensing everything to this, to this thought. Hear me on this. There are two types of people. Those who run from God and those who run to God. you're not on the last part you need to repent if you're running from God in any way shape or form in any areas of our life this is Steve Pastor Steve is running from God in any area or avenue of my life I must repent which means change my mind how God thinks about this because I'm thinking wrongly and I must I must go I've been thinking this way. I've got to turn and go this way. There's only two types. We either are going to turn and run towards him, or we're turning and going, no, I heard you, but I'm doing my thing. And that means you're going away from him. Two types. You may need to look at ourselves and say, self, if you've got some areas that aren't turning and running to him, the spirit of truth, where he's putting the light on those areas, then do it. And do it quickly. Don't fool yourself. Now, I'm not saying if you have something that the Lord's dealing with you, I'm not saying you're going to hell. I don't, that's between you and him. What I am saying is this is a very good, awesome truth that should get our attention, and especially the world's, that when we're running from him, we can't just say it, make a statement, oh, God loves everything about you, and this, no, he loves you, but if you're running from him, it's breaking his heart, because you're running from the very thing that's going to save you. 
And it's not loving to tell people, it's okay. Jesus came into this earth for the very purpose to bring light. He came into the earth. He left us the comforter, the paraclete, the spirit of truth for that very purpose, to convict the world of sin, to convict the world of righteousness and of judgment. To convince. We need to convince people. Amen? Well, I ran out of time 11 minutes ago. It doesn't mean there's not time to sit in your seat. Don't even, you don't, you don't need to come up. Unless you really feel you want to come up, you can. There's a lot of room. <laughs> but just, just leave the music on. And those of you who feel like, I'm good. Thank you, Pastor. That was encouraging. I'm good. I'm going to go out and get some coffee. You're more than welcome. God bless you. I'm going to come out there and hang out with you in just a minute. But if the rest of you, some of the rest of you like me, as I was doing this message and feeling that conviction, saying, it's, it's only two areas. I'm either... When I hear you, Holy Spirit, I'm going, yes, and I'm running toward you, or I'm going the other way. Don't be able to go the other way, amen? Father, thank you for the spirit of truth. Thank you that you love us so much. Oh, your love is so awesome. Thank you that when you shine the light in my life, and you still do, that you convict me and convince me of sin. Convict me and convince me of righteousness, that I need your righteousness. Convict me and convince me of judgment, that if I do not adhere to your words, your words are going to judge me in the last day, to know the truth. Thank you, Lord, that your desire is that we know the truth and be set free by it, no longer in bondage. Thank you, Lord, that you're so loving that you want us free, <laughs> way freer than we even know, like little children. Thank you. I love you, Lord. I love you, Holy Spirit. Comforter, thank you for coming alongside of me. You're so awesome. Amen. Amen. All right, guys.